0: To ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. Today, I have the Associate Dean of the School of Engineering and Weapons at the United States Naval Academy, Dr. Brad Bishop. Brad, welcome to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. Thanks for having me. You know, this is going to be a very timely and very interesting discussion. Let me start out by saying what I think I know about this stuff. And I'm going to talk about the word bias. Uh, but you might not know this, but I'm a crafter. I actually knit I do embroidery and that kind of stuff. And I do a little bit of sewing on the side. So bias to me is something you cut into the cloth, something that you, it's an outlook, but it's a systemic thing you do to try to get to an outcome. Now, today we're talking about cognitive bias. What's
1: that? So a cognitive bias is a way that your brain works to control its interaction with the world. and and these biases are built psychologically and neurologically by thousands of years of evolution and by social interaction. But what they do is they affect the way you perceive and interact with the world. And the bias changes for you the way the world is perceived fundamentally. Rather than thinking about the world as a concrete set of identifiable truths, the brain interprets what it sees in different ways and the biases affect the way that that interpretation is carried out.
0: Let me let me ask you something. So we actually we get input to our neurons millions of inputs a day, right? Is that is that part of the problem?
1: So absolutely. The the difficulty is with the sheer amount of data and information that comes into your brain on a regular basis. From a survival perspective, your brain has to find shortcuts to analyze, to rationalize, to internalize these vast amounts of data so that you can make decisions in a timeframe that's appropriate for survival long-term. And the way that the brain was designed to accomplish that task then has an impact, a knock-on impact on the way we view and interact with the world when it isn't necessarily about survival.
0: So this is a thing that's just built into the carbon units that we are. Um, and theoretically, or biologically, or physiologically, it's a good thing, right?
1: It can be, like any other aspect of neurology. It can do exactly what it's intended to do, and it can also have an interaction with a changing environment that is negative.
0: So tell me about some of that stuff, especially how it impacts our lives today as humans as citizens and as leaders i mean how can cognitive biases trip us up
1: all right so this is really interesting so if you think about humans as social animals as as herd animals almost there are cognitive biases that are built into the world model we have for the people around us and some of these will fundamentally affect the way that we can deal with new information, new situations, and changes in our own patterns of behavior. So as an example, there's a, a commonly known bias called projection bias. This came from uh, an article in 2003, uh, Lowenstein, O'Donohue, and Rabin. And they, they talk about the idea that humans believe that their future self will have the same tastes, the same opinions as their current self, right? Because we imagine ourselves as this sort of static entity in an environment, and we build a model for ourselves that says, this is who I am and what I am, and therefore I can structure my interaction with the world in a, in a way that makes sense for me. So the bias that's built into your head says, You don't have to worry about you changing a lot over time. You're going to be more or less the same person five years and 10 years from now as you are now. So you can make decisions based on that. That's an example of a bias that we build into our own brain. We exaggerate how much we're going to be the same in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have an outlook at some point in my life that I assume I'm going to maintain for the rest of my life.
1: That's correct. And the reason that we suffer under this particular bias is because we we underappreciate the value of adaptation. We think that changes that occur in our lives are going to be much more catastrophic than they really are. So that a change in our situation years from now, we will dramatically overestimate its impact on, let's say, our quality of life. So we think of ourselves instead as something that's much more fixed and rigid. Whereas in reality, we're very adaptable, we're very flexible, and we change greatly. But our brain doesn't expect us to do that.
0: So so you're talking about ourselves. What about our perception of others?
1: So this is a really interesting corollary now. There's another bias. It's called consensus bias. You can find a nice paper from 77 by Ross Green and House that talks about consensus bias. And it says, I expect people around me that I think of as rational beings to come to the same conclusions that I do. And as long as they do that, I don't assume anything about them. right? I don't assume characterological impact. If I like broccoli, I assume other people are going to like broccoli. And if they do, it's a it's a neutral for me in thinking about them. But if they don't like broccoli, if their opinion is different than mine, I tend to attribute that to a characterological problem. So, people who are like me, who make the decisions that I make, eh, that's great. People who make other decisions, I think of that as an indication of a character flaw or a behaviorological impact of, of their character.
0: Now, is that a biological or neurological phenomena or is that a cultural phenomena? Perhaps it's both. It's,
1: it's a great question. And I think, personally, I feel like it's both, right? It's partially built from the idea that over time, In order for us to cohese as a society, we have to share some fundamental piece of our model of the world, of our interaction with one another, of our choices and decisions. And then partially, it's, I think of myself as a rational actor. And once I have made this decision, if other people have made other decisions, there are only really two options. I'm wrong or they're wrong. And it probably isn't me. (laughs)
0: So there's the rub. It's probably not me, so I'm assuming it's them. And how does that affect me as a leader and as a person?
1: Right. So so this ties into what's called the fundamental attribution error. And that's where we really overemphasize personality and character on behavior. People make decisions because there is this thing about them. And if you tie these all together... I think I'm always going to feel the same way. Other people ought to feel the same way. And if they don't, there's probably something characterological that's driving them. So that's the first piece of this puzzle. And then there's another piece. And this is really the kicker. This one is purely neurological. It is purely about the way your brain handles information. So there's a really interesting study by Hirschfield and many others that looks at the portions of your brain that you use when thinking about yourself and other people. So these studies all used functional magnetic resonance imaging, which is fMRI, just a way in which we can look at the portions of the brain that activate when you're carrying out certain activities or thinking certain thoughts. And the study that they did showed that there was a specific portion of your brain that lights up when you think about yourself. It's the medial prefrontal cortex. Not so important exactly which part that is. When you think of you, it's very active. When you think of other people, the activity goes down. When you think of other people that you have nothing in common with, the activity drops off precipitously. All right, that makes sense. You're using a portion of your brain to think about yourself. But the really tricky part is when you think about yourself in the future, the activity in the medial prefrontal cortex drops. And when you think about yourself in the far future, the activity in the medial prefrontal cortex drops precipitously. Now, I've used those words specifically because what it means is the way your brain is processing information thinks of the far future you as not just someone else but someone else with whom you share very little in common
0: you're someone else you're a someone you don't know you're a foreigner what is it it's exactly that
1: this idea is your brain processes information in the portion that thinks about you less and less as you think into the future The suggestion is this is why we as humans are so good at procrastination, because when I think about doing something now, I don't want to do it. I'm very busy. I'm stressed. I've got a lot of other things going on. I need a rest. I deserve a rest. When I think about the me in the future, that me is probably really rested and really ready and excited to do this work. I wouldn't want to deprive him of the (laughs) chance to do it. And as it gets further and further in the future, it's somebody I hardly even know. And so it's easy for me to say, I'll let that person do it. That person will be ready to write the report. That person will undoubtedly be ready to start their diet. That person who I don't really associate with in any way can handle all of these problems and I will take my well-deserved rest. This is a piece of the way your brain works. And that's what's so interesting about it is that it's not conscious. It's hardly even subconscious. It's literally structurally the way your brain works.
0: So the brain is telling a story here. You know, the fMRI is telling a story based on what your thoughts are. Is there a way for the conscious person, your conscious self, to manage that or to change it, to to work faster, earlier, sooner, better? Well, just like anything else, being
1: aware of a bias helps you understand and see its impact, but only if you're very conscious about making choices so that when you sit down and say, I'm going to decide whether or not I want to write this report right now and your natural instinct is to push it off, you have to pull back on that a little bit and balance it with an understanding of the way your brain is working. So rather than simply based on the facts of the matter, I have time now, I could do it now, I have time tomorrow, I could do it tomorrow, your internal bias is going to push you to do it tomorrow, and you have to balance that with an understanding of that existence of that bias so that you can make the rational decision.
0: If you accept your bias, does that mean you're a bad person?
1: not necessarily. In this case,
0: I wouldn't even call this particular
1: portion of our discussion a bias, right? It's just a way that your brain works. The biases, if you embrace them and say, this bias is right and correct and good, I think that there's some challenges with that. But the best part of this discussion is we can now tie these things all together, right? So if we go back to our original thoughts, projection bias says the future me is going to feel the same as I do. The neurological portion says my brain is going to think of that future me as a different person. And then consensus bias says that different person should really feel the same as I do, and if they don't, there is something wrong with them. Now you think about the trap that that makes in your neurological structure. It says, if you think a particular way right now, changing the way you think in the future, accepting the idea that you could change the way you think in the future, means there's something wrong with you, characterologically, either now or in the future. And that's something that's very difficult for the brain to process, the idea that there is something wrong with me. So this is a trap. And it's built neurologically and psychologically by a combination of the way your brain works and processes information and the way the neurology, the the neurological connections are set up.
0: So, Professor, I feel like you're telling me that I'm trapped. Am I trapped here?
1: You're not really trapped unless you accept the trap right? You really have to allow yourself to fall into it and buy into the biases and and the way your brain works. And so I like to think about it this way. When you are presented with a new idea, a new situation, you form an opinion. It's impossible to not form an opinion. But in order to avoid falling into the trap of these biases, the best thing that you can do is not hold that strongly. To somehow in your brain separate an opinion from something that is a more considered, more integrated part of you. So, the way I like to think about it is opinions are great and everybody has them on almost any topic, regardless of the level of information they have, regardless of their knowledge. But a position is something else. A position is something that you take. Think about it in military terms. If there's a position, that you want to capture, the first thing you're going to do is surveil it. You're gonna look very carefully at the landscape. You're gonna think very carefully about what the opposition looks like, about what your real objectives are, about what resources you have available to you. And you're gonna make a decision about whether or not to capture that position, how much you're going to invest in capturing it. If you think about a position On a topic this way. What it means is, I might have an opinion at first glance. I glance at the hill and I think we could probably take that hill. That's an opinion. Then I do my surveillance, I do my reconnaissance, I do my investigation. I decide how many resources and how much effort to invest on taking the hill. And then I take it. That's doing your research, that's listening to your experts, that's listening. To the information that's available from many different sources, including those who disagree with you, without saying these people who disagree with me have something wrong with them. Because my opinion is very lightly held. But once I take my position, then I have invested myself, my character, and integrated it with my person. We should be very cautious in taking positions until we have spent the time that is necessary to really do it right. There are times when you can recognize there were factors that you didn't take into account. You might have to fall back from that position. If in my mind, I am constantly living in a world where my final position is movable without saying, just because someone disagreed with me, there's something wrong with them, then I can adjust it over time. I can get out of the trap that my brain has set for me, thinking of my future me as a different person who must have the same opinions as I have, or there's something characterologically wrong with them. It's a different construct. It's a different way of viewing things. So when you're presented with new challenges, new ideas, new situations, hold an opinion, but hold it lightly, and then start looking for the right position. Invest carefully and then hold it until it doesn't make sense anymore and give it up there's nothing wrong with you if you changed your position
0: brad i get it and there's more to the story here we've got to talk more about this stuff Uh, i hope you'll be able to come back and let us continue this discussion about cognitive biases
1: thanks for having me and i'm happy to talk anytime
0: You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.